Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. Every generation for the last 80 years has had an event occur that they will never forget. It, it's a bookmark on the hard drive of their memory. Well, the World War II generation, they remembered exactly where they were on December the 7th, 1941, when they heard about Pearl Harbor. The boomer generation, the single event they remember occurred on November 22nd, 1963, when President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. And liftoff. Liftoff of the 25th Space Shuttle mission, and it has cleared the tower. Generation X, they've had an event seared into their memory on January the 20th, 1986, when the Space Shuttle Challenger exploded in a ball of fire before a nationwide television audience. The millennial generation has a date which will always remind them where they were and what they were doing when it happened, September the 11th, 2001, when the greatest single tragedy ever to hit the United States occurred. The problem of evil has been called the Achilles heel of Christianity. The question arises, how can a God who is all powerful and absolutely good allow evil in his creation. The Barna Group conducted a national survey in which they scientifically selected a cross-section of adults and asked this question. If you could ask God only one question and you knew he would give you an answer, what would you ask? The number one question was this, why is there pain and suffering in the world. Years ago, after survivors of the United Airlines Flight 232 crash in Sioux City, Iowa, after they had attributed their survival to God, an organization of atheists known as the Freedom From Religion Foundation issued a call for secular newspapers to quit using Bible Belt journalism. Ann Gaylor was leader of the group, and she said, every time a tragedy is reported, our members must brace themselves for the inevitable. If there are survivors, reporters will make sure God will get the credit, but never the blame. Why don't they ask these religionists who claim God helped them why he let tragedies happen in the first place? Referring to the United crash, she asked, why didn't their omnipotent God fix the hydraulic system of United Flight 232 and save everybody? This question of why so much suffering in this world goes all the way back to the oldest book in the Bible. The first chapter of the book of Job reads like this week's newspaper. Job chapter 1, beginning at verse 13. So a day came when his sons and his daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them. 
and the Sabians attacked them and took them away and killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And only I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants consumed them. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came and said, The Chaldeans formed three companies and made a raid on the camels and have taken them away. They killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their eldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind came from the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Now, Job at first tried to keep a stiff upper lip. Verse 21. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But after Satan was allowed to take Job's health away as well, he begins to cry out in chapter 3 and raise the question over and over. Why? Listen to his words. Job chapter 3, verse 11. Why did I not die at birth? Why did I not perish when I came from the womb? You see, what Job is really asking is this, why did God allow this to happen? He was, in effect, saying, God, where are you? Now we hit the crux of the question. If there is a God, and if that God is good, well, why is there evil in this world? Thousands of years ago, Greek philosopher Epicurus, he put it this way. God either wishes to take away evil and he is unable, or he is able and unwilling, or he is neither willing nor able, or he is both willing and able. If he's willing but unable, he is feeble, which is not in accordance with the character of God. If he is able and unwilling, he is envious, which is equally at variance with God. If he is neither willing nor able, he is both envious and feeble, and therefore not God. If he is both willing and able, which alone is suitable for God, from what source then are evils? Or why does he not remove them? The word why is not just a question, it's really an accusation. In fact, the Hebrew word for why is not only a cry of sorrow, it's a cry of protest. It assumes that all suffering is unjust and that God's silence is inexcusable. It's an age-old question. And we're not the first ones to ask, nor will we be the last to ask it. The prophet Habakkuk asked God, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong?" The prophet Jeremiah challenged the Lord, saying, I would speak with you about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? It's interesting that every time tragedy strikes, we call God on the carpet and demand that he explain himself, and he had better have a good reason for doing what he did. 
While this next statement sounds hard, but it's true, because God is God, he doesn't need to explain his actions to anyone. It's interesting that for 37 chapters in the book of Job, God is totally silent. He doesn't say one word to his servant Job. But then in chapter 38, God asks Job the one question to end all questions. Job chapter 38 and verse 4. Were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. You see, what God is saying to Job in effect was this. You wouldn't even be here trying to ask me a question if I hadn't decided to create you to begin with. And then in chapter 40, verse 2, he drops the final bomb. Will he who argues with God Almighty instruct him? He who rebukes God, let him answer it. You see, even though I don't know all the answers to the problems of evil, there are some things I do know. I know that evil is real. I also know that for evil to exist, you must also admit that good exists, because without good, there can be no evil. I think it was St. Augustine who said, God judged it better to bring good out of evil than to suffer no evil to exist. The fact that God allows or ordains that there be evil means he deems it good to allow it. He only ordains what he wills should take place. His will is perfect and absolutely good and righteous. If God wills that evil should exist and it could not possibly exist if he did not will it, then we must conclude that in it, his counsel and purpose and plan, that he has a good reason for all of the evil that should exist. I admit that evil is a problem that we have to face, but it is not fatal to the Christian faith. We must interpret the unknown in light of the known, not the known in the light of the unknown. What we do know is this. God does exist, and God is good. But in my mind, that raises still another question. Whom should we seek then during evil? There are those who conclude that since there is evil in the world, there can be no God because a God who is all-powerful and totally good would not allow evil to happen. You see, evil in my estimation does not say we should run from the idea of God, but rather that we should run to the idea of God. You think about this. We never question the good things that happen to us, only the bad. Let me ask the question another way. Why is it that we blame God only for the bad things that happen to us? Why do insurance companies describe natural disasters and catastrophes as acts of God? We never question the positive points of life, only the bad. We are not amazed at God's goodness. We take that for granted as though, as though God owes it to us. Badness surprises us. Goodness does not. See, the point I'm making is this. To try to get rid of God and eliminate God because of evil, evil is to make the discussion totally unnecessary. 
We have problems with evil in this world, not because of our unbelief, but because of our faith. Evil should not force us to turn away from God. It should force us to turn to God. Indeed, that is always one purpose of evil. It not only challenges our faith, it changes our focus. You know, C.S. Lewis once said, God whispers to us in our pleasure, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. But this too raises a question. To whom should we turn to? Well, the only one we can turn to is the God of the cross. It is the cross that tells me that God cares. It is the cross that tells me that God is good. It is the cross that tells me that God is love. It is the cross that tells me that God can even use evil for his good purpose. As a matter of fact, you will never make any sense out of evil or make any sense out of life without the cross of Jesus Christ. How can anyone worship a God in a world of pain who is immune to pain? The God I turn to is a God whose son was nailed to a cross back lacerated, limbs torn from their socket, brow bleeding from a crown of thorns, mouth dry, intolerably thirsty, forsaken by God, the Father himself for sins he didn't even commit. That's the God I turn to. Yes, there is a question. There is a question about human suffering. But over that question, we can boldly stamp the exclamation point of the cross, which symbolizes divine suffering and tells us that God does care, which now raises another question. What should we then say about evil? There is one thing I think we must remember. When the sky is black, God is silent, and we are in the deepest throes of the darkest disaster, God is always in complete control. When God permits Satan to light the furnace, God has his hand on the thermostat. That's what he says to Job in chapter 41, beginning with the second part of verse 10. Who then is able to stand before me? Who has preceded me that I should repay him? Everything under heaven is mine. Jesus himself said something very interesting about evil. He told a parable, a parable of the wheat and the tares. He talked about a field that was perfectly tilled, prepared for seed. He pictures a good man who planted seed good seed in that field. He was looking forward to an abundant harvest. But at some time later, a servant discovered that weeds had popped up everywhere in the wheat field. And he raises a question. Matthew chapter 13, verse 27, the second part. Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Then where did the weeds come from? 
In Jesus' parable, the master answered the question very simply. Verse 28, an enemy did this. You see, the farmer says an enemy came during that night and, and he sowed the weed, the tares amongst the wheat. The master didn't sow sickness or suffering, death. An enemy of God, an enemy of man came in the night and sowed the seeds of destruction and the seeds of pain and the seeds of death. Now, the expression among the wheat, that expression in Greek is a strong expression, meaning all through the midst of the wheat, you know, between the wheat, on top of the wheat, everywhere. The roots had become so intertwined that any attempt to pull the weeds out would have torn out the wheat also. So, so when the workers offered to go into the field and remove the weeds, the master says, Matthew 13, verse 29, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. You see, Jesus said you can't root out the bad without rooting out the good. Wait until the harvest. Then they will all be rooted out and then separate the good and the bad. Remember this. The tares of evil did not worry the master. He said, I will take care of them in due time. Make no mistake about it. God's control is never interrupted. His sovereignty is never challenged. The world is his field, and God will tend to his field properly. How do I really know that that's true? Well, because history tells us that God can take the greatest evil and bring out of it the greatest good. Exhibit A, once again, is the cross of Jesus Christ. Humanity cannot and humanity will not ever experience any greater depth of evil than that exhibited by the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Yet because of the cross and because of that empty tomb, out of Satan's greatest strike against God, God brought out man's eternal salvation. That's Romans 8, 28. We know that God works all things out together for the good of those who love him. I want to close now with a final answer to the question I raised. I want to do that by sharing with you a poem entitled, The Lord Knows Why. The Lord Knows Why. I may not know the reason why. Dark clouds so often veil the sky. But though my sea be smooth or rough, the Lord knows why, and that's enough. 
I may not know why I am so led, so often in the paths I dread. But trusting him, I'll press my way. The Lord knows why, and I will obey. I may not know why death should come to take the dear ones from my home. But though mine eyes with tear be dim, the Lord knows why, and I'll trust in him. So though I may not understand the leading of my father's hand, I know to all he has the key. He understands every mystery. Oh yes, he knows. The Lord knows why these things are ordered from on high. Though dark clouds may hide the sun, the Lord knows why, and his will be done. Let's pray. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being our constant companion, especially when dark clouds engulf us and we are caught in the storms and the tempests of our life. Father, I especially pray right now for those that are suffering. Father, may they fix their eyes upon you. May you bring healing to their hearts, healing to their lives and peace to their minds. Bless each and every person watching us right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've come to that time in our program where we have our special offer. On each and every telecast, we like to offer a resource to our viewers, something to help them better understand the topic we've discussed, something just to help you on the journey that you are on in life, that we're all on, this spiritual journey that we all take together. Uh, if you're watching us for maybe for the very first time, this offer is free of charge. There's no obligation whatsoever on your part. We're gonna send it to you in the mail, postage paid, you're never going to receive an invoice for it. You're never going to be asked to do anything about it, um, except we would like you to read it. I have a special little booklet here today. It is called Walking in the Storm, Living in the Sunlight. We'd love to send this to you because I think it will help you better understand the storms in life. It says, every storm is followed by sunshine. If you'd like to receive this little booklet as a gift from Lessons for Living Television, pay attention to the information we're about to provide you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living Television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living Television website, www.l4ltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030 Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, 
L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you could order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 1-800-972-0337. Well, we've come to the end of another Lessons for Living television program. Thank you so much for watching. If I may be so bold as to ask you to share our program with your friends and family so that they too can tune in next time. In order to help you do that, I want to refer you to our website, l4ltv.com. On the website, you'll see a tab that says Previous Programs. You click on that tab, you will have access to every program we have ever aired. If you have an interest maybe in health, or the intersection of religion and law. We have interesting programs. We have some self-help programs, some inspiring interviews. So check that out, l4ltv.com, previous programs. You can also check out the tab that says archived sermons. There um, are messages, presentations I've done in different locations on topics that folks regularly ask me about. Like, what happens to us when we die? Why do bad things happen to good people? Who or what is 666? Can we know when the world will end? And many others. You'll see there'll be a video presentation and then a handout, a study guide that you can download and print and use as your basis for studying that topic and learning more about it. You can also visit the Live Appearances tab It'll show you where I'll be appearing live, either virtually or in person. And then there's a Donate Today tab, which is where you can make a donation online by credit card or by, you know, by Interact debit uh, to help keep the ministry on the air. We are a charitable organization. Every donation dollar is eligible for a receipt for income tax purposes. Every dollar gets reinvested back into the ministry to help pay for the airtime, to pay for the studio time, the gifts we send out. None of that comes to myself or to my family in, in terms of any kind of benefit. It all is going back to keep the ministry on the air. Check us out on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram, Santos underscore Bill. Every single morning, 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time, I put out a one-minute devotional video in English. 6.45 a.m., I put out a one-minute devotional video in Portuguese. Great way to start your day focused on things of heaven. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. You'll always know when we add a new program. You can like our Facebook page. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, within a few moments, 30 minutes or so from the end of the program, you will be able to go on our SoundCloud page and download an audio version of this program. You can carry that with you. You can share it with your friends. A great way to get the word of our program out is by downloading an audio version on SoundCloud. Just before we go, I want to draw your attention to another aspect of our ministry, which is our overseas humanitarian work under the banner of Mission Now Canada. And you can visit our website, missionnowcanada.com, and there you can learn about some of the projects that we've been involved in overseas currently and some upcoming projects. Maybe you want to join us on an upcoming mission trip or maybe you'd like to donate to a specific project, check out missionnowcanada.com 
See what's on the website. I think you'll like what you see there. We're rapidly running out of time. That's about all we have for this time. Hope to see you back here again next time. God bless you. We'll see you then.